Welcome, everybody, to episode 51 of the Average Jake Firefighter Podcast. I'm your host, Robbie Owens, from the Average Jake Firefighter Blog. Rapid intervention during an emergency is the act of immediate involvement to assist search and or rescue. A team of firefighters or specially trained personnel at the scene of an emergency in a combat-ready position with a gear, equipment, and tools is called a rapid intervention crew or team. Much to the credit of the New York City Fire Department, the concept of a rapid intervention team was actually conceived after the Equitable Bank Building Fire in Manhattan on January 9, 1912. This fire occurred during the early morning hours with extremely cold temperatures and winds up to 65 miles per hour. As firefighters attempted to fight the fire all the way up to the fifth floor, the fire became out of control and spread floor to floor, thereby trapping and killing firefighters and civilians. During the fire, the president of the Mercantile Savings Deposit Company entered the cellar to retrieve the bank securities. When suddenly, cut off by subsequent collapse and fire, the banker and a clerk were trapped behind a cellar window covered by bowed two-inch iron security bars. After two and a half hours of hand sawing with a hacksaw, the bars were finally bent apart enough by firefighters to free the two men for rescue and medical attention. The extended time and effort it took for this rescue resulted in the creation of a special rescue unit, Rescue Squad Company No. 1. This unit carried the most up-to-date rescue equipment and trained personnel and had the stated purpose to perform difficult and unusual rescues and to rescue firefighters who needed to be rescued. Unfortunately, between the 1900s and 1980s, with the exception of New York City, much of the fire service did not formally address any concept or training of firefighter rescue. And that is a quick uh, excerpt from the book, Firefighter Rescue and Survival, from Penwell Books Fire, fire Engineering, uh, written by uh, Rick Colomay and Robert Bob Hoff. And uh, I've known, I've taken some several classes from Bob Hoff uh, from the Chicago Fire Department. It's a, it's a great book. I, I highly recommend reading it. And that is, uh, I say that, uh, that little excerpt because that's what we're going to be talking about today with Stacey Nolan, uh, talking about all things uh, rapid intervention, but we're talking about proven stuff on the fire ground. And that's one of the things that we're really, really going to hit on. Um, and when we have this conversation with him, we're going to be talking about some real world stuff, uh, not stuff that you're going to get in a canned program. This is stuff that has been researched and, 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 you know, done on the fire ground and things that are successful on the fire ground. Um, before we get into that great conversation with Stacy, however, just want to hit a couple different things. First off, I know it's been a minute since I've done an episode of the podcast. Uh, you know, like I've always say, I don't, uh, I don't record podcasts just to record podcasts. I record podcasts when I have something to say or I feel the topic is is worth uh, worth worth doing. I, I I said I would do one a month, but sometimes you, you know it may be uh, a little bit of gap between there. It's probably been a little bit over a month. Um, since uh, when this one will be published. So I appreciate everyone's patience. Appreciate everyone uh, supporting us through 51 episodes. That's insane. Um, and, uh, you know, hey, man, it's summertime. I'm spending a lot of time with my family, and I encourage you to do the same. Uh, you know, hopefully you can go out on a run or a workout or a bike ride with your wife and your kids and, and uh, or your partner or whatever. 
and uh, and pop in your earbuds and listen to a great episode uh, of the Average Jake Firefighter Podcast. Now 51 episodes deep. Uh, topics on everything from firefighter rescue to hose lines to leadership to book reviews. Anything and everything that's out there. So, um, you know, and it's been a labor of love for me. I really enjoy still doing this. So if you could do me a favor, you know, spread the word to your friends and families. Uh, you know, I, I still feel like there's a large portion of the fire service that I'm not reaching. And uh, I've reached a lot of people in the fire service by word of mouth. So uh, if you can get someone else to listen to the podcast and they enjoy it and they get someone else, I really feel like that would be doing uh, doing a great thing because I feel like all these people, and it's not because of me, it's all the people that I've had on the podcast. There are people that needs to hear uh, you know, that need to hear, um, Stacy Nolan's message, uh, Andy Sacadato's message, Ben Martin's message about the Fireground Commander Conference, and and so on. It's a Brandon Douglas's message about reading books in the fire service, and so many others. Uh, Lex Shady, everyone else I've ever had on the podcast, Jim Moss, uh, Dan Kerrigan, like just just all these other people that I've had on the podcast. That their message needs to be shared. So, uh, you know, do me a favor you know, spread the word as I typically say on the blog, uh, but spread the word about the podcast, um, you know, and let's get the message out to more and more and more people. Uh, with that being said, um, again, spend some time with your family. It's summertime, man, go to the beach, put the fire service down for a little bit, or at least just budget some time for the fire service, but budget more that time for your family. I know that I have had a tremendous amount of time these last couple of weeks, just, uh, you know, working some shifts, uh, you know, working some shifts, but man, having just an extended period of time with my family and just unplugging from the fire service. And I really think that we all need that. So don't take that for granted. Um, but let's not belabor the point anymore. Let's get into a tremendous conversation with Stacy Nolan about all things to do proven fireground concepts uh, for rapid intervention and firefighter rescue. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Average Jake Firefighter Podcast. Really excited to have Stacy Nolan on the podcast today. As we talked about in the intro, he's going to be talking about all sorts of proven fire ground stuff with rapid intervention, firefighter rescue and survival, all of those things. Really excited to have him on. It's a topic that I think that we it was largely ignored probably 20 years ago when I got in the fire service, maybe even longer than that. And then it kind of came to the forefront where we had some line of duty deaths. And then we kind of focused solely on that. And now it seems like it's one of those things that's almost dis a distasteful assignment on the fire ground. When in reality, it's, it's, it's super important to, to be well-versed in it, be well-trained on it. And to be honest with you, it's something that people don't have a lot of experience on. I know myself, I've only been involved in my, and, you know, I'd spent nine years volunteering uh, as, as a certain from age 15, and I've been on my current department for 17 years, and I've only been a part of one firefighter rescue. Uh, so it's something that a lot of people don't have a lot of experience in. So whenever you can pick someone's brain and they've done the research uh, and, and all of those things, it's, it's important to sit down and listen because it's thankfully it's something we don't do very often. But when you do, you have to do it right and you have to get a home run. So, Stacy. Thanks for joining us on the firefighter uh, on the Average Jake Firefighter Podcast. We're really excited to have you. Hey, buddy, I appreciate you having me. It's really an honor. Well, thanks a lot, and uh, and I know you're a listener of the podcast. We were talking about before we went live. Uh, you know that you listen, you read, and 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 your your son is a listener of the podcast. So really, really thank you for for just being a a supporter of of everything that we're trying to do here. Um, it, it's it means a lot. Oh, absolutely. Uh, like I say, you're uh, 
your writing, your blogs are spot on. Um, I tell you, I listened to, or I read the one that was, it was the fireman wanted the, the, you know, I, I don't know, a couple months ago. And, uh, I don't, do you remember writing that one? Uh, absolutely. I do. Yeah. And you talked about, you know, firefighters coming in and 10 years playing the piano. I, <laughs> I, you know, that was really, that was really good. But what really caught my eye on that one was, uh, we turned it into organizational management. Yeah. And, and you talked about, uh, how people are sitting around phones, uh, you know, everybody goes to their, to their cubby hose to people. Sometimes you don't see, see each other for a whole shift. (laughs) Yeah, it, it, it really is. It's, and it's still, you know, it's sad that it's, it's gotten to that. I don't, I don't know about, uh, what it's like in, in your department at this point. But, uh, like I worked, uh, what my job is now with my fire department is we call them command captains. And so essentially like my job is either to fill in for company officers or fill in for the battalion chief when he's off. Um, that's essentially my two main jobs. And I went to an engine company the other day where out of five people, nobody was eating the same meal. They all brought their own meals. And I was the only one that, like I normally do, show up to work like, hey, when we go into the store, what we having for dinner, lunch, you know, yada, yada, yada. And I was the only one that needed to go get a meal. And (laughs) no, I I ate alone. Um, You know, like there was maybe like a couple guys sitting in the day room or whatever, but I sat at the kitchen table at my normal, like when I like to eat dinner between 5.30 and 6, alone. And that's miserable. That's a miserable experience. And that's not, being a fireman that's not our department now that's that's what i tell the rookies coming in i say i i know you got a lot of stuff but you got to enjoy the journey man and the the journey is about being being together that's the whole that's the whole part of it you know yeah absolutely well so while we're digressing into that um i mean because we could probably do a whole podcast about that uh, while we're digressing into that, you know, I know we're going to talk about all the stuff you've done with 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 rapid intervention and firefighter survival and rescue, um, and and all the like the, the, all the things that you've put into that. But uh, let's uh, talk talk about your fire service experience. What fire department are you working for? Um, you know how you got involved in the fire service. I'll give us the background about how we got here. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, I've, I've been with the Border Fire Department now for twenty. 20- it's either 20 or 21 years. I'm I, October will be either 20 or 21. I'm I would have to look. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a while. Um, how I got in the fire service is I rode bulls for a living for a while. And uh, after my 13th surgery or so, I was like, man, I got to figure out something else to do. And I was getting, I was getting like to be 27, 26, 27. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just, I, I needed to do something. I mean, most of my friends went to work at plants and, you know, oil field companies and all that. And I was like, and was, which there's nothing wrong with that. I just, uh, I needed to have something that I, you know, had some juice to it. So, so I kind of, I researched the fire, fire service, went to, uh, the Midland, Midland, Texas fire Academy and off we went and, uh, been there ever, you know, ever since, uh, I teach numerous classes from confined space, high angle ropes, uh, this writ mayday operations. Um, and you know, and how the mayday and writ kind of come about is 
one day and kind of take you back. It was, I don't know, probably 2013 or 14. We were living in a trailer and they were, uh, they were re redoing our station. We was getting a brand new station and our, our station, we got one station in the city. It's 26 firefighters. If we're fully staffed, uh, we, and that's eight men on each crew, you know, and you know how it is. You very rarely do you have eight men on a crew. Uh, it's, uh, it's got a lot of industry here in Borger, but I was, anyway, I was in the trailer one day and I walked by a magazine, fire engine engineering magazine. And I seen a uh, project mayday. Well, just so happened a couple of days before we had to fill out these packets that what you want happen if, you know, if you die in the line of duty, what do you want happen if you're not in the line of duty, you know, about your funeral and stuff like that. And that's kind of a bad topic, but, I got to looking into this project Mayday and what they were researching. And I was like, that packet, what are we doing to prevent us from ever going to those packets? Right. And that's kind of how I started the research. So I told the chief and I was like, you know, I'm not so sure if, if we had a Mayday operation, I, I don't, I'm not so sure if we could even pull it off, if we even knew what we were doing. And he goes, he basically gave me the green light and said, well, take off. And I went, I traveled pretty much U.S. from coast to coast, went everywhere from, you know, even Central America, Kansas to Oklahoma to Washington, uh, let's see, Indiana, North Dakota, I mean, uh uh, let's see, South Dakota, I believe. Like I say, I went to a lot of training and listened to a lot of great speakers, but most of the training I was trying to get was the hands-on part, not too much classroom and all that. Uh, but I did listen, go to a lot of speakers. After that, I came back and I was, you know, started putting it all together. Uh, I, I had to put together a class that not, you know, that worked for our department and, and like up North, you know, I, I know a couple of times, like what, what works for, works for us is, uh, 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 like a, like the slicer, you know, you've heard of that, right? Yep. Absolutely. Okay. Because we only, we maybe only put six, six guys on the fire ground, but I said that up North one time that we were trying to go to that. And like, I about got, like hung and burned at the stake outside. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I mean, I understand it's, but it's what people don't understand. Well, everybody has a way they do it. Well, let's take like, let's say you take a big fire department. Like how many do you guys have? Oh, so my fire department uh, in Henrico, we have uh, almost 600 uniform firefighters. Yeah, our minimum staffing is 130 people a day uh, for wow. each shift. We typically have we have, uh, you know, because we allow annual leave and stuff like that. We've got about 160 to 170 people assigned to each shift. Mm -hmm. but we we will uh, we have to have 130. We have 130 seats we have to fill every day. Dang. Yeah, that's a logistical nightmare, I bet. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but you know, but but I'm glad you brought that up, and, and I'm glad you said that because it's so true. 
even in my fire department, we can be resource challenged, right? Like, because right. some of the things that we do, like, for example, at our, I, I'm, uh, I'm assigned to the Eastern Battalion in our, in our county. And so part of it borders the city of Richmond and it's very urban there. Like, and when I say urban, like it's more urban uh, residential, not like, you know, there's some commercial and stuff in there, but it's more like urban housing developments that kind of border that. But the further you go east, it is rural. It is farmland and there's no hydrants, anything like that. And we uh, (laughs) we have tankers in our firehouses and the fire I went to literally yesterday, like I was on shift yesterday and Mm -hmm. uh, and literally yesterday we had it was no hydrants anywhere close. And so what we tend to do, what we have to do in order to get those tankers to the fire is we drop the third firefighter off of the engine to drive the tanker to the fire. So I call it the fractured engine company concept, right? Uh, because oh. we fracture our engine. So that does create in the initial stages of the incident, which I, I know, you know, is the most crucial that creates manpower issues that creates staffing yeah. issues. So, so even with all these people coming to this fire, uh, we can still have a hard time getting an initial fire attack until we get multiple engines on scene because the third person who's normally pulling the hand line and on the nozzle is wheeling a tanker. Right. So, I mean, so, so it, it's important to put perspective into any of these things that we learn. And I'm so glad you brought that up because what works for you may not work for me or what works for me may not work for you, but it's important that everybody has a seat at the table because especially you are the majority of the fire service. It's not, I'm not, there's not a lot in in Virginia. There's not, there's only like one other fire department that's larger than, than Henrico County. And that's uh, Fairfax right outside of DC. So, you know, the stuff that we do might work in Fairfax, but it's not going to work in Colonial Heights, which has two stations. And, you know, like you said, 10 people on duty every day. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's the deal. You know, we we might put six guys on on a fire on a uh, on a on fire ground on a working structure fire and, you know, call for a second alarm and you may get two, you may get one, you may get three. And that's all. And you may or you may not get any. You may have six. And and that's just that's just the way way it is. And and we had to you know, you got to learn to overcome and adapt. Right. I mean, just absolutely. And that's you know, but. Not saying, not saying anything bad about, about those, you know, like it, it was really bad up north, you know, like I say, when I said the, that we were trying to go to that and they was like, well, that's, that's the most stupidest thing I've ever heard, you know, and it was like, well, I don't know, you know, so I just shut up and I, I never said, uh, never said it again. Right. Uh, but uh, after that, you know, like I say, after I got done with my travels, I came, I came home and uh, I started putting this class together, I started putting, uh, uh, I started looking into, uh, the writ mayday cause. So like, I mean, I bet I studied over 600 of them. I mm-hmm. mean, went into the NIOSH reports and not only, you know, when, when people, you, you should always look into the NIOSH reports and what you're saying, but I'm, I'm telling you, if people would just pick up the phone, look, look at who's speaking and, Research who this guy is talking. Ninety percent of these guys will tell you their story if you just ask them. Right. You know, and and if they, I've, I only ran into a few that really didn't want to talk about it. But really, ninety percent of them will, will tell you, and and that's where you really learn 
more about what went on. You know, you could kind of understand what they were going through, what happened and so on and so forth. But, uh, yeah, it's been a it's been a journey and a, a start of humble beginnings. I'm going to tell you. Well, no, it sounds it sounds great. I mean, it sounds like it's been well worth it for you, especially with you know, again, like we talked about offline before we went live on the podcast here. You know, like you you have been involved with some people that I respect, the guys over at the Do Work podcast, and so it's clearly that you, you, the words getting out and the product that you're producing is is awesome. Um, so I want to delve into more of some real world writ stuff like you talked about that you have six people on duty every day. So uh, I know in our fire department, again, I'm talking about depending on the size of the house uh, or the size of the structure, we can get anywhere from four to five engine companies all staffed with three, uh, mm-hmm. you know, uh, two special, what we call special service companies is either a rescue company or a ladder company, one to two ambulances, two to three chief officers. You know I mean? Like we're putting, a lot of guys on the fire ground. And so one of those predetermined positions is that the, you know, is a rapid intervention engine like that. The second engine that shows up is doing RIC. Like that's what we do. And mm-hmm. we even have it in our SOGs, right, wrong, or indifferent that unless there is a quote unquote, you guys can't see quotes because I'm, cause I'm doing uh cause we're a podcast. There's no visual, but I'm doing air quotes. Uh, unless there's yes. a known <laughs> life hazard, we have to establish writ before we're allowed to do an interior attack. Now, there are ways that we get around that that are that are in our SOGs. Um, But uh, I'm curious on how you guys are doing rapid intervention, how you're how you're doing that with all the other uh, priorities on the fire ground. How are you accomplishing some of this with six people on the fire ground? Well, it's it's quite complicated, but uh, let's let's say you have your first in engine. It's either staffed of three or four, right? And uh, let's just say you, you got six that day, so it's three, three on the engine, three on the uh, the ladder. Um, is what you have the ladder will go to the plug, uh, drop a guy off, hook up hydrant, go lay the five inch. The officer on the engine that's that's the first engine coming in. The officer is going to do his 360. The the uh, firefighter there in the back, he'll pull the line and stuff. But really, when it comes down to it, who is the writ? It's mm-hmm. going to be your your other officer on the ladder is going to come in. Now he's going to take command, but he's also could possibly be writ. I got he you. Uh, he uh, the the driver on that is pumping the engine could possibly be writ or the ladder. And usually we like to say that the ladder driver who laid the line into the engine is is going to be your your rick guy because he kind of floats floats around he does the 360 as well uh looking anywhere that we need to soften the building up stuff like that but sometimes it can get challenging for sure and i I don't mean to cut you off but that is so that is absolutely a hundred percent like in line with how we do it and i think that's and i think like that initial like like they we get there and uh someone reports that everybody's out we'll use the driver of the first do engine and the first do ladder company as our well we call it an irit an initial rapid intervention team until uh-huh. that until that second engine comes out right but like as a part uh-huh. of that like in order for it to count you have to be you know in your turnout gear right and like that's something yeah. some guys don't like to drive in their gear i always when i drove the engine or a ladder especially driving a ladder truck because the ladder driver is always, like you said, he's looking to soften the bill and he's that outside vent guy. 
mm-hmm. you know, at least for us as a, as a three person ladder company, um, man. So I always drove in my gear, but I think it's so funny the correlations between a, a fire department that's putting four engine companies, two ladder companies, two an ambulance and two chiefs on the scene versus a six person on scene fire department that our method of our method of that initial rapid intervention uh, or rapid intervention uh, in the early parts of the incident are exactly the same. I think that's fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. It really is. When you, yeah, it, for, for sure. Um, yeah. It's, and and that's that's the point of you know I, I like to try to tell you know the only guy I try to say shouldn't have a pack is maybe the drivers because they're up in between the the pump panel and but but I kind of say you know at least have your pack either off the truck have it laid down there uh, on the ground somewhere you can get it have the door open where you can get it off the rack there quick however they want to do it doesn't matter to me but just where they can get it pretty quick. Uh, and and I'd like to try to also have my firefighters when on my crew is when they come off the truck, masked up, hood on, helmet on, buckled up, you know, all, everything's ready to go. So uh, you're a man after my own heart. But, you know, again, even in a resource rich fire department, I was taught from day one when I got hired within Rico Fire that if you're riding backwards, you better come off. AK, you know, ready to work, which means exactly. you're coming off with your mask on. And a lot of people don't like that, but I literally like I practiced with it because that's not the way I was brought up in my volunteer department, but I practiced mm-hmm. with it. And I'm telling you, I've been doing it for 17 years like that and have never had a problem. Have never. In fact, it's it, it's actually I've seen it. I've told this story. Before. I've seen that save somebody from a wicked injury. I mean, just yeah. mask on, ready to work and was yanking ceiling in a soffit and the it was an attic fire and the the uh shingles had melted and had settled in, as like liquid in the soffit and the guy poked a new york roof hook through the soffit yanked down and that hot shingle that was liquefied splattered all over his face piece oh wow. if he had not been wearing his face piece he would have had severe burns i mean that might have been a career ender right sure. there but he came sure. off the rig ready to work with his face piece on and he's okay. He's still on the job today, you know, but man, I, again, you're, you're a man after my own heart. Keep preaching. Yeah. Well, <laughs> that's just, you know, that's just what some of the things that I had those guys uh, practice. And, and again, the only guy that I say, you know, the guy that catching the hydrant again, don't run on the fire, but you know, move pretty quickly. But when you report to me from the hydrant, I need you to have your pack on, be masked up, be ready to to go to work. Don't report to me ready for assignment uh, without your pack. And and it just happens all the all the time more than I'd like to say. And and you know, here we're we're it's fully paid department. There's no volunteers or anything like that. Uh, but the the deal is is like we got guys that maybe live in another they live in another town maybe an hour away so even if you get a call in they're like i say an hour away so when you get into like and back to the you know we can go to the written mayday real quick you know most of them happen the first five to ten minutes of the call and i think it's 77 percent is the first in engine is is the one that's involved in the mayday right and this was all coming from that project Mayday, and they uh, 
most of the feedback they got back was from departments that was 46 to 55 members. So bigger than, than we are and smaller than you are. So, right. Well, let's talk, let's delve into that a little bit because I was, I was actually, that was where I was heading with, with some of the next questions is what are, what are some of the trends you're seeing? And you talked about uh, the Maydays being the first in engine company, what kind of emergencies or fire ground emergencies are these guys having? Are they having medical emergencies? Are they having like, uh, like, you know, lost out of air? Like what, what kind of, what kind of issues are you finding in your research of, of what, what problems are these guys encountering? Well, you, you uh, said a lot of them. So a lot of, you know, we all know the number one killer of us all is the, uh, is the heart attacks now, nowadays. And, uh, then after that, you know, you got, you get to the, uh, the basement is, uh, I want to say it's like 21%. The lost and separated is like 25% fall through a roof 22 and then low on air is 13%. Um, but, the the big one is you know what sticks out to me when it, whenever I, I say that is the falling in a basement, and when I do did the research and looked at at this again now when I talk about you know if we talk about uh, an incident that happened or I'm talking about these firefighters these are all great firefighters damn good firefighters and and they just made one mistake and sometimes the same mistakes I make. And I, I got away with it. You know, these guys wasn't that lucky and they didn't get away with it. But they're, you know, the first three to five mi minutes there, we're kicking in the door and we're falling through the floor. And I mean, I just read one the other day was a, uh, I can't remember where it was, but he was a first year firefighter, went from volunteer to a paid department and died exactly that way. Kicked in the front door, fell through the floor, right into the fire. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just, like I say, it's just, uh, it's tra tragic. And then, then you like get into the time of day that most of the Maydays happen. And it's usually the most happen between the one and three o'clock, uh, period. Right. So when you say one and three o'clock, you're talking about like three in the, like one in the morning, three in the morning, like after we've been in bed. Right. Gotcha. Yes. That's, that's the most, most time. And, and, you know, it, back to and i'm not you know back to like our situation you get into the guys having to cover guys working you know they what they found in this guys that's working uh, uh they've been on for more than 48 hours mm. you know on duty uh that is is recurring more often uh to them so uh you know, the one to three, what are you? You're groggy. You're trying to get your bearings. You're trying to figure out even the address they just said, right? And and then then to get on, on a fire, you, you know, it's kind of all. And another deal, that goes back to your heart attacks, too. You're going from zero rest to 9,000, yeah. you know, miles per hour right there. So that right there has, has you know, I think that contributes to a lot of it as well. Absolutely. I, I, I couldn't agree more. Like, you know, there are things that I can remember at one in the afternoon that I can't remember at one in the morning. It's just is, is one <laughs> of those things. And, and, you know, and it's, and it could be simple stuff. Like I know to sound the floor really quick before I go in, you, you know, you know what I mean? Or take a peek around right. low, you know, lower down and look below the smoke layer, mm -hmm. all this stuff. Like, you know, that, 
But at two in the morning, man, sometimes that stuff's tough to remember. And it, and that's where that training piece really, really is critical to do the sets and reps so that it becomes automatic, not, not to where it's something you have to remember. Um, you know, when you talk about some of these trends that you're seeing with studying the Project Mayday and then doing some of your own self-study, what are you seeing as the most common removal techniques? Are we, are we constructing these complicated systems or are we going almost like similar to the research we're seeing with search with victims, like simplicity going hands-on and, and getting them out? Are you talking about for to get a firefighter or get, yeah, a, to get, to get a firefighter. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yes, yes. And no, but here, here's the thing. Like we, We've got to get away from this uh, to 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 put yourself in a mode. Now I've got to go get a firefighter that's down. Something's happened. He's you know he's low on air. He's lost. What separated? Whatever you want to say. Uh, feeling come down on him. Whatever the case may be. It, it's the deal is you know we stay in this left hand search, right hand search. It, now here's the deal. Does that information matter to to that red team? to what the man that is having the problem inside the guy that called the mayday, like is what I'm trying to say is the guy that goes in the, you know, that gets in trouble is, did he go left or right? Did he start a right-hand search or left-hand search? Is that important? Yes. Yeah. But as far as a writ team going in and going after him, you know, either whether you go in a team of two, three or four, uh, depending on how you have it set up, those two guys that are in the front that are that are the search guys or the one guy, how, again, however you have it set up, they got to go. And you pretty much got to stay in voice contact. And okay. Do you hear me? Yep, keep going. Okay, I'm sorry. Uh, but the whole point of of that writ or or uh, that writ team doing a right hand search, left hand search. What you're going to, you're going to that pass device as fast as you can. Hopefully, that guy could either got it on his SUVA is going off. Um, and and this goes back to you know let's I guess kind of back up a minute and and. And the thing is, is like, how, how many times do we do do the drill of working with our gloves on? Just just gloves on. You know, I can do I can talk to you an hour with just working with gloves on. I mean, I have my guys. They don't. The only thing they don't touch in the morning without their fire gloves is the med bag. That's it. Everything, all the saws, SCBA. And I, I do it as well. When I check my pack, I check it with gloves on. I know how many uh turns the bottle to turn it on i know how, how many bottles to turn it off i check all my straps make sure they're not twisted and and all that because that's going to matter if you go that if you're the one that goes down to this to this uh uh writ team that's coming in to try to get you or to the guys that are inside that maybe you become lost from and now they have to get you you know it doesn't i guess it is what i'm trying to say it doesn't necessarily have to be the the a, a writ team outside it can also be the hose team inside that's getting you uh if you do if you guys you know uh 
have the ladder company that does the search, uh, how, you know, however, however you do it, it could be those guys that get you as well. It, it just, you, you, you should look at it as you may be the one that goes down. Right. I got you. And, uh, you need to know how that, how that SCBA operates. I mean, like the back of your hand, what to do with a low pressure leak, what to do a high pressure leak. What do you do if you throw up in your mask? You know, now, of course, everybody answers me is, well, leave the building or when you're, you know, your, uh, your bottle goes, starts dinging on you. Uh, well, everybody, everybody always tells me leave the building. Well, sometimes that's easier said than done. Cause we have a real good way of, especially with the gear we have now is getting too deep and can't get ourselves back out. Does that make sense? And I know I kind of no, 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 absolutely, absolutely, it does. Like I said, we're so fully encapsulated that we're deeper than maybe we should, and and then when we get in trouble, it's almost impossible to get out rapidly. I, I totally get what you're saying. Yeah. I'm tracking you. And 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 a lot of times too, you know, back to the to the packaging, the firefighter. Yeah, mm-hmm. like in this in this class, we we're going to package the crap. You're going to learn that, but let's think about this in real life. And I won't say the name of the fire department in my studies. I, I, I researched this and talked to some guys. It was a big fire department in Texas and I spoke with them and they had a, uh, they had a test and it's what they did because they just didn't believe that their guys couldn't perform this uh, mayday writ operation. Right. They just, they, they just really couldn't believe. So the training officer said, I'll tell you what, I'm just going to pick some random, random stations some crews and we'll just go see if they could do it what they did they you walk in it was an office building you walk in and it's a big like a lobby area and it was like an old doctor's office so when you went through the door there was three rooms back there they filled it up full of smoke and they told them they said okay and and they gave them an option make your team make it a four team rec team go in there find the find the person and get them out out of all the teams that did it, and I want to say it was 10 to 15 teams, only one team completed it, got the, the patient out, but none of them completed it in the time that they wanted it done in. But none of them thought to bust the window that the that the victim was in and take them out the window. We, we just get this thought that we have to come out the same way we went in. I got and, you. And sometimes you can't. No, you're right. You know? Yeah, absolutely. So, so there, there's a lot of, uh, you know, myths out there, I guess, what you want to say. Yeah, I, no, I, I'm picking up what you're putting down. Yeah. Um, I got you. Like, so, so as we talk about this and we continue to delve into the, into the topic a little bit, I'm a big, and, I, and I've said this before on, on other podcasts, and, I, and when I, the, 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 some, the, some of the, the teachings I've done uh, with teaching firefighter survival techniques um, and rescue techniques in my fire department, I am a big believer, and, and I kind of want you, and I want your opinion on this or what you've seen in the real world and in your teachings. Um, I'm a big believer in a lot of the rules, quote unquote, go out the window when it comes to rescuing our brother firefighters or just saving people's lives in general. And like, what I mean by that is like, we have what we call uh, a writ line or unit tagline that's assigned to each unit. And we'll use it for large area search or for firefighter rescue. We are mm-hmm. not supposed to lift with that line. Like I'm not supposed to, to, to lift or anything like that with that line. But however, if a firefighter falls in the hole and that's the rope I have in my hand, I'm lowering that in the hole to try to get them. 
You know what yeah. I mean? So, like, to me, that's what I mean by, like, some of the rules go out the window. Yeah, I wouldn't use it for a technical rescue. I wouldn't use it, you know, to repel off a building, like, you know, with an eight plate or anything like that. But I would certainly use it to bail out a window. I would certainly use it to, uh, you know, if, if the firefighter with me fell down a hole, I would tie two knots in it, you know, send it in the carabiner and send him the hole down and tell him to hook himself up if he could or have someone lower me into the hole with that rope so that we can yuck him out, right? Like, right. I would totally right. do that. And so so what I mean is, are you seeing that as a trend across the country where people are too, uh, I guess, in love with the rules? Like, hey, we can't do that because that's not rated for that. Or, hey, you know, if we have a rule against that. Are you seeing that or are you seeing that people are pretty much, hey, a firefighter's down. Rules are out the window. We're doing whatever we got to do to get this guy out. You know, uh, I'm seeing it actually really both ways. Um you know, okay. you, you will have like guys come to the training or, you know, when I've done these previous, these, these podcasts, I have guys that, that ask me questions by email and stuff. And, you know, or, and when the rope, like that rope you're talking about, are you talking about the one that's attached to your rip bag? Uh, you just- no. So we, so we have a separate bag. We, like I said, it's, it's a 200 foot, uh, Nomex Kevlar rope that uh-huh. we use for searching and we tie knots every 25 feet in it so that you yeah. can stay oriented to how far you are in the building. And we'll use it. Like I said, anytime that we think we need to be on rope, like in a building, we'll use that rope. Um, yeah. you know, and like I said, we'll use it in some instances in, in a writ, uh, we'll have uh, a guy that's going in on the writ team, attach it to, you know, a, a bomb proof anchor for lack of better term and go in there. And when he gets to the down firefighter, he'll attach the bag with the rope to him. So that way anybody else coming in to help has a direct line to the firefighter. Right. Or we'll yeah. use it for large area search in a building or whatnot. But like we have a rule that says you're not supposed to use it to lift. Right. Like if someone's in a hole, yeah. I'm not supposed to use that rope to lift or I'm not supposed to repel on it. But like I say, I can tell you that if my buddy falls in the hole, I'm using it. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you're going to use what you got. Right. Exactly. And- I think, and I adopt a real minimalist attitude when it comes to firefighter rescue. I really believe, and again, something that I, I want your your opinion on. I really believe that if you're waiting for the 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 whiz bang tool to rescue this firefighter, he's going to die. And, yeah. and, and I really think that if you can't take what you've got on your person, whether it be webbing or, uh, you know, something simple, uh, sure. you know, it, or a piece of rope that you carry or something, if you can't utilize that to get the guy out, his chances of survival go down dramatically, at least. And that's all opinion based. I don't have any facts to back that up. I just it's, it's what I believe. And I, so I adopt a real minimalist mentality when it comes to firefighter rescue. No, I, I, I think you're spot on because it. That's what you need to keep it as as minimal. Like we we got to do the simplest thing that we could do to get this guy. Like what's the most and logical way of getting him out? Right. right. Uh, don't don't make it all these. Well, policy says this. Poli- at, at that point, you know, let's let's excuse my language, but you know, let's get her shit together and let's go get this guy <laughs> out. No matter what you got, I got whether you. if that's what it is, the rope, great. You know, the rope. And, you know, you said something about your gear and stuff like that. And this is something that we talked about in the class is, and this is what we did uh, I, across across the nation. I just kind of picked it up, like, when I was traveling these classes. Like, the ones that I, I noticed that really paid attention to the detail part, uh, this was something. And it wasn't in all of them. It's just in, like, maybe two or three. But uh, 
and something we, we started doing was everybody carries the same tools in their person. Like, so if it's, if you did like on my left, uh, uh, pants, my bunker gear pocket, I have my webbing in my, in my right. I have my, my, uh, 20 foot of, you know, rope attached to a carabiner. Should I need that carabiner? Whatever. Cause we don't have the, the bailout system in our mm -hmm. gear. Okay. We just have, we just carry that rope. Uh, we also carry some other things in our pocket that everybody carries those. So if I had to, you know, use the rope or if I had to cut my way to you and then I get to you and now I've got to go out a different way. And I, all, I, cause how many times, I mean, I've done it in a fire, cut myself out and then have need to use it again and don't have them. Right. Well, right. this guy has them and I know exactly what pocket. So I'm not wasting time as long as everybody, you know, they, everybody should do it. And it's a real simple deal. But then again, you know, you also got to train on that stuff. Yeah. No, that's an X. That's a pretty interesting concept. Like I can see how that would, I mean, that would be effective. in I think any fire department, if you like standardize some of the minimum tools that you had to carry. So that way, like, well, let's say in that scenario too, like you need a little bit of extra rope. Well, you know where a guy's got 20 feet of rope, you know what I mean? Yeah. He's got, he's got right. it in his right pocket, you know, or I need another yeah. carabiner. Well, I, I know where this guy, you know, even the firefighter you're rescuing, like you, you run out of carabiner. Well, shit, he should have some in his pocket. You know, yeah. like, like, I think, I think that's a pretty neat concept. Yeah. And, and everybody, and we use that rope to, to search off of, to, you know, you can use the bell out. You can use it to, to, uh, get, get somebody out. out of, we, use, we, we do simulate a guy falls, like you say, a guy falls in a hole. Uh, we, we simulate to pull him up with it. You can attach it and make it longer. You, they, the, your, your capabilities are endless. That's just with that. And then with the wire cutters, like, you know, in the class, we give you, we give you some, uh, some ways that way to carry them, way to set them up that, so you don't lose them. Right. So you don't, uh, 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 drop them that comes off because how many times you cut, set them down, you, you don't even realize you did it because all your work is get it, get out of there. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So, and, uh, these are just, you know, some little things that, that we've, that we've used, put in place and man, it just seems to seems to work. Excellent. So what are so it, it, staying on this this the same uh, little pathway of this pot this, this uh, these tools in the pockets? What are uh, the minimum tools you think a firefighter should have on their person? And very good question. And because man, I see I hear and I see these guys coming in to the fires or you know coming in and they are loaded to the gills with stuff. Now, granted. Everybody, and, and here's the deal. I believe everybody should take a tool into a fire with them. So whether it be a halogen, that's a tool. A kick, that's a tool. The nozzle, that's a tool. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. But as far as what you have on your person, you need to make sure that what you have on your person, that you understand what's what's in each pocket. So um really not i mean i don't carry a lot like i told you i carry i carry the rope that we have to carry i carry the the webbing that that we're required to carry i carry those those cutters and then my radio and then i take usually the halogen with me and pretty much that's it because of i want to keep myself as light and as mobile and if i've got to get through 
a low profile stuff, I know exactly what will hang up on me. I know if I've got to get through this wall in a hurry, I, I know what I need to do to get through that wall to the outside or to another room, a safe room. And I know what pockets is going to hang up. So I know how to go through. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. No, I'm with you. And when you carry all this stuff, uh, you got to know what will hang up. You got to know where your regulator, you know, is going to catch on the seal plate, where the bottle is going to hang up on, on the, the bracket on the back and how to clear it. Um, these are all things that you go over in, in that class. And, and is what we do. We have, and I'll just give you, when, when we've done this class before is what we end up with everybody. By the time we're done, those, uh, we, we call them the, the hockey pucks that holds the, the, uh, the, the regulator, you yeah, know, on your, uh-huh, on uh-huh. your leg strap. Yep. Yeah. We'll, we'll see those things. They're, they're taking off. They're done. Yeah. They're gone. They're going to break right quick <laughs> or get yeah. you hung up. Yeah. But you see everybody getting those things off as, as quick as possible. And, you know, it's just, if you're going to carry it, make sure, A, you know how to use it and B, you know, you know what, how it's going to affect you in, in all types of situations. Yeah, no, I'm with you. And like I said, I was, when I first got into the fire service, like I carried everything. Like my gear was bar none, probably the heaviest in the whole fire department. Um, But as I've gotten older and a little wiser, I definitely think there's some minimum tools. Like I said, webbing rope and uh, I I use cable cutters um, as, as my cutting tool. Um, And I have a multi-tool and then uh, some door chocks and whatnot. But other than that, like everything else that I carry is tailored to the district that I'm in. Like, Mm -hmm. like when I was out in the West end, I wasn't using uh, my pliers, you know, to spin lock cylinders off commercial occupancies as much as I did (laughs) when I was in the East end. So I took them out, you know what I mean? So I took them out. I'm like, man, I haven't used these in six months. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm pulling them out, you know, cause I had to converted to, uh, we were doing it a lot when I was assigned to a truck company in the East end. Uh, so I was, I had a pair of pliers that were tailored to the, the key tools, uh, on the lock cylinders. And so, you know what I mean? So I, I, I was using those a lot. So I had them when I went to an engine company in the West end, I wasn't doing that at all. So I took them out. Um, right. I took them out. Like, I was like, I don't need these on my person all the time. What I do to carry all the other stuff that I love to carry, but I don't need on my person is I carry it in a bag on the rig. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like that way I mm-hmm. can just come back and get to it. But no, I really like your philosophy on, and I really believe that we've got, we, we have adopted, like you said, some of this in love with the rule, I'm not saying that we don't need to be rule followers. Right. But love with the rules. And like, we have to have everything on our person at all time. When in reality, like, just like with tactics, basics, typically win. Mm-hmm. you know, simple plans, typically complicated your your setups are the more complicated your your the more stuff you have in your gear all that kind of yep. stuff you're more likely to fail there's more factors to fail when you have that much going on now, i'm not saying there's not a time for complicated plans but a lot of the times i see the complicated ones fail and the 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 simple ones and the simple tactics and the simple basic stuff they succeed more often than not you're you're spot on there and that's that's what i try to tell you know i, I tell my guys all the time I, you know I'm not going to catch everything. They're not going to catch it. But let's say, let's say you fall in a basement, you know, and I, I tell them, you know, sure. We go over handed, you know, getting the nozzle down there to them. And if they're knocked out, spray fire, we do all that stuff. And then the all types of different ways, throwing a ladder if you can. But you know, I tell them, if you're not, if you're, you can move and you're not, you didn't fall in the fire. Look for the door. Yeah. You know, a lot of people Absolutely. just get through this. 
know, the real simple deal is look for the door. Look for sunshine coming through. You know, if it's if it's sunshine out there, but <laughs> but look for the, I mean, you know. Sometimes it's just it's the simple things. And 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 look, I've done it. I've made it more complicated than it has to be. Sometimes I think I think we've all been guilty of of stuff like that. One hundred percent. One hundred percent. Hey, so you know, you talked about the, uh, and as we we're starting to as we start to kind of wind down a little bit, I wanted to, to ask you a few more questions. Um, but you talked about how you saw that Project May Day. I've actually taken that class with Don Abbott and, mm-hmm. and out of Phoenix and all that stuff. I'm curious. And you said you know you did some other research. I'm curious. Besides Project May Day and the NIOSH reports, there. What other points of research or books or articles or whatever have you read? And do you recommend that the listeners read something that they can go put their hands on and, and try to gain some of this knowledge? Well, first of all, is uh, like, like read about, you know, your, your past fire events, right? Well, there's lots of books out there now. Um, a lot of people don't know. Let's just, I mean, the, everybody knows the, and I, it's hard for me to say, but Worcester six, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got you. Okay. Everybody knows that. No, nobody that knows story. how to say that except people who live there. So you're okay. right. <laughs> <laughs> but every, everybody knows the story. Um, but there's all kinds of stuff on that now. But 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 really, there's all kinds of stuff that went on on that fire that was behind the scenes that a lot of people don't realize that the writ and May Day and all this stuff it really came to light on that fire because we never lost that many firefighters that at one time like that. Right. Right. And uh, a lot of people don't know the the details of these things. And when, uh, let's see the, the black Sunday, everybody thinks it's the six that went, you know, that goes out the window in New York. Right. Right. But little, you know, a lot of people, you would be surprised to know that, you know, they actually lost another brother in a, in a two story residential basement fire. Yeah. You know, he, he got hung up in the coat rack on, on the landing. Um, and there, you know, just pretty much anything, get your hands on read. Uh, and again, I say, read the Niles reports, but then if you get a chance, man, I, the Asheville, the Asheville, North Carolina. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, that's, that's one you can learn a lot from. And now, uh, uh, the, the man that was, that was with Captain Bowen, uh, Jay, he's actually, he's done some podcasts out there and talked about his experience. You know, he's the yeah. one that, that pulled him and went through and tells you the whole story. So, you know, there's all kinds of things that you can learn to, to keep yourself deal. But I will say this, and, and you talked about it in your, in one of your podcasts, I want to say it was a, so you want to be a firefighter mm-hmm. talked about, you, you said something that I wrote it down. This is still a blue collar job. It's hands on. It's a sweaty job. You're going to get dirty. Mm-hmm. And that part is so true. And another deal about it is I can't, I can't teach you hard. I can't, I want to give my guys and everybody, anybody that wants to listen, any, all the information I can give you before I I'm out, you know, before I leave, but, but I can't give you the heart the the try the the don't give up you've got to push through this you know what i mean no you're you're 100 right now and, and and i'm so glad you brought up the studying of of some of these what i call major fires in our in our industry 
and it baffles me, and I've talked about this on the podcast before, but it baffles me like how when you bring up the Worcester cold storage fire or the Keokuk, Iowa fire, or, mm-hmm. you know, all these the Hackensack Ford. I mean, we just had the anniversary yep. of Hackensack Ford. Um, mm-hmm. You know, that when you like, and I teach the acting officer program in, in my fire department, I'm one of the instructors. And when you get these kids that are five years in the, they're, well, they're, they're three years in the fire department, you can act at four years if you go through the class, pass the test, all that kind of stuff. So you've got guys that are three years in the fire service. They want to ride in that right front seat. And they want to get paid to do it because we pay you to act. And they have no idea what you're talking about when you bring up some of these critical fires like the Super Sofa Store fire. So, I mean, as I'm I'm sitting here recording, I look back on my bookshelf. I've got uh, a book about the uh, Station Nightclub fire, the Iroquois Theater fire, Mm -hmm. the Richmond Theater fire, uh, the Beverly Hills Supper Club fire, like all these fires that I've read books. But there's there's a ton of. I mean, literally, everybody has Amazon. Go on Amazon and just put in historical fires, and hundreds of books will come up. And yes. you can learn so much lessons, uh, so many lessons from them. One of the guys I went through the managing officer program uh, with talked about, I asked him if he read about leadership, and he said, no, I read about history. And he goes, because history is the study of leadership. And I was like, man, he is spot freaking on, and I've, I've used that ever since. Uh, ever since I've yeah. talked to him, that's that's really good, real good. But well, yeah, so, and, so, go go ahead. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut oh, you off. I was going to say, yeah, the father the Father's Day fire. I've I've I read that. I've read that one when you mentioned it. But yeah, yeah, the 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 Station Nightclub fire, the uh, Beverly Hills Super Club, All those have, are really good good reads and good books to to learn. And I I'm with you. I can't believe and and that's the deal. I'll, I'll tell you real quick. I I do a just a classroom part of the written Mayday, right? Yep. And uh, you know, I was doing one one day for a for a fire department, and there was four four guys. They were like six months, a year, three months. They were sitting in the front, you know, great and all. And when I got done, I said, I said, I'm just going to give you guys some advice. When when you have a guest speaker come in, or for that matter, when you have anybody that's standing up here willing to to speak to you about anything, you know, that it's your job, bring something to write with. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> no, you you're know, right. Just, you're right. Even bring your, I mean, kids are taking, you know, notes on computers. They bring your, bring your laptop. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's something that I've, man, I've got pages and pages of notes from classes I've taken and I've started to go digital with them now. So that way, one, it's easier to share them. You know, like I, I, I will take them and I'll email them to all my friends and family in the fire department. Like, Hey guys, like I sat through this class in Pensacola, Florida. Here you go. You know, yeah. here's everything I learned or everything I remember writing to write down. Um, no, that's, I think that's wonderful, wonderful advice. So as we start to wind down, um, you know, you teach a class about all of this stuff and it's at a pretty, what I consider major, major place in the country, uh, Teaks. Um, so mm-hmm. talk about the class, talk about how people can come take the class, how, you know, how can we get in touch with you? All that kind of stuff. Like I want to come take your, your written Mayday class. How, how can we do it? Okay. Uh, well, we're going to be putting one on at Randall County fire department, which is just outside Amarillo off the loop. Uh, it's going to, it's, here's the deal. It's like now the classes are listed, uh, and I've posted the flyer on Twitter. So you can go to my page and that's, S as in Sam, no one, N-O-L-E-N, 3434, and I've pinned it to my profile. Okay. Uh, it has the barcode and the regi- registration link. Uh, 
Facebook, Stacy Nolan. That's how you can find it. I've I've pinned it on there. Got it got it up there. The registration link, and also on Instagram, Stacy Nolan again. Well, we're putting on one in September, uh, the twentieth, twenty one, and twenty two, and then we're putting it up. We're putting it on again on in uh, October, uh, the twenty sixth, twenty seventh, and twenty eighth. And like I say, if you get go on Twitter. That's Nolan 3434. It's on there. Um, I will share. I will also share. I've got some other flyers and stuff that that uh, some guys have worked on for me. And they, they've got it to me now so I can put those out. That kind of goes with the class. More information along with my email. I think I'll put on there for you. So, you know, that'll be easy for you to awesome. if you want to get in to get in. Awesome. Well, I've also retweeted those flyers on the Average Jake Firefighter Podcast Twitter, so oh, awesome. so they're they're out there as well. Um, so if you can find them, and again, but go to follow follow Stacy on on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook, and and get out there and and, and soak up some of this knowledge that he's got. Um, well, Stacy, like I said, thank you so very much for coming on the Average Jake Firefighter Podcast. Anything else you want to leave the listeners with before we uh, end the, in this episode? You know, yes, I, there's a couple of things. I Go ahead. I would just like to say out there to firefighters, just remember this, that uh, you use your air, you know, you, use your air like your life depend on it. And I heard a guy say the other day, he I don't remember if it was podcast, whether I read it. I, I don't remember where I heard it. and But it was one of the best things I ever heard was, how would you act if you had six more breaths left? You know, so so train that way. Because that could happen, you know, make it reality. How many times do we train and we always get them out? We always win, right? We always put the fire out. So in the middle of your training, throw in a mayday, a writ, a something. You had a build, a major catastrophe, a building collapse. Call a par checks, you know. Remember when you do your par checks, you're not, we're not short order cooks. We're, we need to tell where, where and what these people are doing. You have to. And these are all things we cover in the class. But uh, okay. Bruce Bruce Cini, you know, he he passed away, but he does a uh, he does a, a a talk, and it's about you know the bottle, uh, the bigger the bottle, the actually less air that you have. So how how to manage it and stuff like that. Those are just things like I say, I, you know, that you gotta you need to get out there and 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 learn about. Well, no, that's awesome. And again, thank you for coming on and, and sharing the knowledge. And, and like I said, everybody follow him on Twitter, follow him on Facebook, follow him on Instagram, get out there. And, uh, you know, if you're in Texas or you feel like traveling, I, it's going to be a great, great, great class for you. Like I said, guys, I know, you know, that, that I believe in have gone out there and taken the class. And so if they believe in it, then I believe in it. Um, so get out there, take the class again, Stacy. thank you so much for coming on. Hey man, thank you so much for having me. I, I enjoyed it. Okay, and everyone else, stay tuned for some closing remarks from the Average Jake Firefighter Podcast. What a absolutely pleasurable and tremendous conversation with Stacy Nolan talking about Fireground Writ. I mean, we could have kept going and kept going and kept going, but as you know, I like to keep the format to about an hour. Um, but if you want to know more about what Stacy's preaching and, and dive in even deeper into the rapid intervention concept, 
and uh, and everything out there, I definitely recommend getting in touch with Stacy, going out to Texas, taking those classes, or maybe you know getting him to come to your fire department. Right? You can't go out there to him. Get him to come to you. Uh, you know, I'm sure he can do a uh, a class over the internet. I'm sure you know just the classroom stuff. But the hands-on stuff with this stuff is really where it's at. So if you can get a hold of him, get him out to your department, or go out to see him in his fire department. And uh, I mean, they can teach you some real-world concepts, um, like we talked about in the in the conversation. He's got a fire department where they're putting six people on the fire ground, and they're still finding a way to do rapid intervention. I think that's super important. Okay, it's not maybe a traditional way, but it's a way that they're getting it done. So, so no matter the size of your fire department, you can make this happen. You can designate some firefighters that are going to be there to rescue down firefighters when it happens. I, I think it's, I think it's a great, great concept. I really appreciated the conversation with him. Can't say it enough. Follow him on Twitter. Follow him on Instagram. Follow him on Facebook. Get out there and take that class. Uh, but also, I can't recommend enough some of the articles uh, by Don Abbott. The Project Mayday itself, uh, and one of the best articles I think he's ever written is the 16 phrases, or radio calls rather, that uh, are said before Maydays occur. If you've never read that article, man, get out there, find it. I believe it was published in Firehouse or Fire Engineering, maybe both. Uh, I know it's out there on the internet. Go find that article by Don uh, Don Abbott and, and Project Mayday and read those because I have heard those phrases on the radio and then a problem has happened. Necessary, not necessarily a mayday, but a, hey, we got to get this guy out of here quick, so on and so forth, uh, on fire grounds that I've been operating on. So uh, so definitely, def- I mean, as a matter of fact, like a couple, a couple months ago, we had a fire where the radio traffic, one of the big, we can't find the seat of the fire. And then we had a, hey, we need to get everybody out. We had to evacuate because the fire was growing. They didn't know it. And the building had a slate roof on it. And it did collapse. Like, not not long after. It wasn't seconds, but it was definitely minutes after this. the interior companies uh, got out that they uh, that they we experienced a roof collapse of a slate roof. So thankfully everybody got out. But that was a freight that that phrase started making the hair on the back of my neck like like you know stick up because that's one of those big phrases. So if you've never read that article, I highly, highly recommend it. But uh, again, what a great conversation with Stacy. Um, you know, can't thank him enough for coming on the podcast. And that's really what I enjoy doing on the podcast is, man, you know, maybe finding some people that you've heard of and letting them expand their message, but maybe finding some people that you haven't heard of and letting them share the things that they're passionate about. That is one of the most awesome things I get to do by having this platform for the podcast. Um, and I couldn't do that without the support of some great, great people. And, you know, I've always talked about the companies that uh, support me, um, and they're important, and we're going to get to them. But I really want to talk about some of the people that support me. First and foremost, my wife and kids. Um, I could not record 51 episodes of a podcast without them being behind, being, you know, just behind me and supporting me and, and encouraging me, really. I mean, my son listens to the episodes of these podcasts and he'll tell me which ones are good and bad. Um, you know, my oldest son, uh, my youngest son listens some as well. Um, he's a little bit younger, so he doesn't sometimes understand all the concepts, but, but, and my wife has been encouraging with this. Um, you know, she's tried to be like, Hey, what can we do to make the audio quality better? She bought me a new mic I've been using. Um, you know, all these things, uh, you know, buys me adapters, uh, you know, to try to make the sound quality better. So like just tremendous, tremendous amount of support 
from uh, from my immediate family. My mom and my dad, big time supporters. My aunt Janet, who I don't get to see very often because she lives in Maine, but she has listened to this podcast a million times, and she has actually sent me messages about how good the podcast was. And she's not a firefighter; she works in legislature. She's a writer. Uh, and she even was like, you know, this is a great, you know, the, the message you had in this last podcast was great. So, you know, just the tremendous support in general from my family, my brothers, my sisters, uh, you know, uh, and then of course, two specific people, uh, from my fire department, uh, Captain Ben Martin, who he's, who's been on the podcast and, uh, Captain Taylor Goodman, guys that have been, uh, you know, I've worked actually for both of those guys as a firefighter when they were lieutenants and now we're all three captains, um, and those guys are a big reason I'm a captain in my fire department today, but also they have been nothing but supportive of this entire venture. Um, they're also, uh, I'm one of their partners in crime on the Fireground commander conference, uh, Ben being the lead and Taylor and I kind of being, if you're looking at fire department ranks, Ben would be the chief and Taylor and I would be his two deputy chiefs. Um, that's kind of how it works, but, uh, man, just tremendous, just thanks to those guys for always supporting me and the adventures I've taken in the fire service, whether it be teaching or podcasting or blogging, uh, I've always felt, you know, they've done nothing but encourage me. And so I can't thank those two guys enough. And now, again, couldn't do what I do without some of the ma- the amazing companies uh, out there that's continue to support me. The first being Vanguard Safety Wear. Vanguard Safety Wear, the makers of the MK1, MK1 Ultra, and Squad 1 Fire Gloves. Those things are made for work. We've been seeing a lot of work lately. We've been having extrications every day. I just had a fire my last shift. And I can tell you, all the products that Vanguard Safety Wear is making are made for work. They're made to last. You are selling yourself short if you're wearing any other fire glove or any other extrication glove out there. So make sure you go to VanguardSafetyWear.com or DingusFire.com or any other distributors. I think there's lots of other companies out there now that are distributing and selling the Vanguard Safety Wear product, and it's because it's awesome. So make sure you go out there and get those MK1, MK1 Ultras, or the Squad 1 Rescue Gloves. Vanguard Safety Wear, made for work. Next, Taylor's Tens. Taylor's Tens, the makers of not just metal helmet fronts, folks, metal almost freaking anything. They are making metal helmet fronts that are made to last. I wear one on my helmet every day. People compliment me on it all the time. And that thing has been abused. It's been in fires. It's been dropped. It's been, you know, thrown in the back of cars. It's riding, it's been on airplanes. It's been on everything under the sun. And I can tell you what, that thing, those things are made to last. They're making locker, a metal locker tags with magnets on them. They make pump cards. They make just playing cards to, to you know, to to personalize your your gear. They're making metal inserts for your. I mean, they're just making everything that's out there that you could do uh, on a metal fabrication front. So make sure you go to Taylor'sTens.com. That's Taylor'sTens.com and get them to customize something for you. Maybe it's a helmet front. Maybe it's a playing card. Maybe it's a locker tag. But get them to come out there. They're going to send you some concept art. You're going to tell them what you want. And it's not this like drop-down menu type stuff you get with other shield makers. This is a custom product for you by a great, great company. Taylorstens.com. Stop burning up leathers. Start wearing Taylorstens. And lastly, Tactical Worksheet 
Dot-com or an idlhtechnology.com makers of one of the absolute best command boards I've ever used. I used it yesterday on a working fire and it works awesome. It is laid out the way that my brain works. It allows me to have a flip chart. They also make mini ones for if you're a guy that's got to be a, a division supervisor or an area commander, you can carry it in the pocket of your turnout gear. They're portable. They're great. Uh, just it's awesome, awesome, awesome product. It's laid out the way that my brain works, the way that I like to run command. I don't have to draw it on a whiteboard. I can, it's already there and I can plug and play the way that I like it. It's got flip charts for different incidents. It's just a completely awesome command board. I use it on just about every fire that I'm in command of, or if I'm running accountability for somebody else, I like to use that command board. It's awesome. I can't recommend it enough. Go to idlhtechnology.com or tacticalworksheet.com and get you the IDLH command board or the IDLH mini command board. They also even have a command board for a PIO that's on the incident that needs to write stuff down and they can write down all the information they need to give to the news media. So again, idlhtechnology.com and tacticalworksheet.com. And lastly, you know what we do. Make sure you're spending one hour a day in the gym working on your physical fitness. I'm getting ready to go get mine on right now. The kids are out of our home gym and I'm getting ready to go get my physical fitness on. Make sure you're spending an hour a day reading. Reading about the fire service in the library. Watching YouTube videos, studying things. We gave you a lot of options on this episode. We gave you the options of studying Project Mayday, NIOSH reports, books about several historical fires. Spend an hour a day reading something about our job, reading something about our trade. And spend one hour a day doing some sort of hands-on training. Putting your hands on the tools we need to do our job. It doesn't have to be extravagant. You can put your fire gloves on and practice up your masks up. You can get a hose bundle and practice stretching to the door the, the working length of hose. You can go out there and throw ladders. It doesn't have to be an extravagant drill to get valuable sets and reps in that we need to do our job. If you do those things, you'll become a pretty phenomenal firefighter. I guarantee it. So thanks for listening, stay safe, stay aggressive, out.